You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So excited to be able to share more of the New Testament book of James with you this morning. The big idea for him is that how do you take your faith and put it to work in the issues of your life? And what he's talking about this week is when someone says that they are believers, but they don't behave like they are a believer, meaning they say one thing, but their life shows something completely different. He told us previously to do what the word says, be doers of the word. Sometimes you don't feel like doing it just because you're you're tired, you're burned out, you're frustrated. This is a hard season. You're a little jaded. Maybe some of you are there. And sometimes the reason you're like this regarding our faith is because you don't really have faith. We may be religious people, but we're not really in a relationship with God. The Bible talks about faith a lot, but it also talks about works a lot. And that's where we find ourselves, the subject of James chapter 2 today. First of all, let's talk about faith. Faith is is who or what you are trusting in. Is it your beauty, your intellect, your money, your elected officials, your parents, your inheritance? What is it? Who is it? This is sort of what is or who is your anchor for security and safety in your life? You trust in this person or this thing to deliver you from whatever might be against you. That's faith. And works is your lifestyle. It's your decision making. It's your behavior. It's how you spend your money, how you invest your time and talent. So faith and works, they're not just Christian issues. They're human issues. And what faith leads to for people who don't know the Lord is their faith is in their cause or their movement, or their political leader, or their social justice agenda. They have faith that someone or something is going to fix the pains, the problems, the struggles of this world, and that's where we get into all the causes. This could be sexual orientation, political affiliation, economic plan. So there is this secular form of faith and works. There is also a religious form of faith and works. And what happens in all religions outside of Christianity is that there is faith, but that faith is in me and my abilities. That I can do something to please God. That I can do something to pay God back. That I can fix the mistakes that I've made. So it's all about my works, my performance, my deeds. And if that's you and you mess up along the way, that could undo everything. And you end up being an enemy of God no matter how hard you've tried. And so there's a lot of pressure, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of fear, a lot of control with religion. But there's a third category. So there is a secular form of faith and works. There is a religious form of faith and works. The third category is Christianity. Where our faith is not in us, it's in Jesus. That it's in him 
and nothing in addition to or alongside of him. All the work that needs to be done to fix the mistakes and the errors and the sins that we have made, that's already been done by Jesus, not by us. So Jesus is God. He came down. He lives a perfect life without any sin, and he does all the work to pay the price for your sin by dying on the cross in your place. And then he rises from death to conquer Satan, sin, death, and hell. So as a Christian, it's that we have faith in Jesus and we are trusting in his works, not our own. So that means Jesus does all the work of salvation. We trust him. He gives us the grace. Uh, On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. Meaning the work is done. So what we want to look at then is how does that play out in our faith and our works? And that's where we turn to James chapter 2 and we continue our story. Here's what we read. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, like, hey, praying for you, good luck with your situation, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What he's saying here is this. Lots of people will give lip service to Jesus, but not have the lifestyle of Jesus. Lip service is easy. Lifestyle is hard. You know, it's really easy on your wedding day to say, I love you. It's really hard to live that out over 50 years. Every day making the practical decision to walk out that promise that you made. And what he's talking about here is similar to what he said previously. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That means Christianity is manifested in faithfulness, fruitfulness, obedience, works. That if we're going to say something, we need to live something. That if we're going to give lip service, we need to give lifestyle. James is talking about the way that God saves us is threefold. God works for us. God works in us. And God works through us. So first of all, God works for us. He works for us through the sinless, substitutionary death of Jesus and his bodily resurrection. That's God's work for you. He has done it. He has sent Jesus off the throne into this world, into our lives to experience everything that we experience yet without sin and dies on the cross in our place for our sin. That's God's work for us. Then God works in you. He sends the Holy Spirit to cause you to be born again. And it gives you a a new desire, a new heart, new attitude, new behavior. You've got a new mind. You're not perfect, but you're new. And thirdly, 
God works through you. The Bible calls this fruit. And it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the works that are going to be on display in your life. So God works for you. He works in you. And he works through you. And what he says here is that, well, if somebody says, well, God works for me, I get that. Okay, I, I get that Jesus went to the cross. But I don't, I don't think God works in me, and he's certainly not working through me. The question then is, have you really met God? Because God's work is not just for you. It's also in you and through you. It doesn't mean just to forgive you. It changes you. And then that life comes out of you. That changed life comes out. So the big idea is this. If you meet Jesus, things are going to change. Now, you're not going to be perfect. But you will be in a change process that ends in the kingdom with you being perfected. And what he's saying is this. If you say that you believe in God and that he's worked for you, but you, we don't see any godly work coming out of you, you really have to ask yourself, have I allowed God to really work in me? Because you see, God's work in you is really the heart of change. It changes you at the deepest level of who you are. The Bible uses the language being born again or being born from above. What he's saying is that if you look at your life and you say, I'm not seeing any life change, that might indicate that you haven't given yourself fully to Jesus. The big idea is this. You can't meet Jesus and not change. You can give lip service to him all day, but lifestyle really is the evidence. So Christianity is about two things. It's about faith and works. But you've got to get them in the right order. Faith is trusting God's work for you, that he's already accomplished that. And then the works is the evidence of God being in your life. You have to get the order right, though, because sometimes what happens in religion is they get the order confused. And that means, okay, I'll work, I'll do hard things, I'll do... All these right things, I'll go to church, I'll read the Bible, I'll pray, I'll... And then God will give me faith. That's not how it works. The order is important. When it comes to salvation, you know what? God doesn't really need your work. He's done all the work for your salvation. God doesn't need your work, but you know who does? Your neighbor. James talks about a guy who has no clothes and he's hungry and he comes to you and what he needs is something to eat and something to wear. And sometimes love is what we say, but love is often what we do. So you can say things, but you got to do things. This is like a dad who tells his kids that he loves them, but then he never spends any time with them. Or this is like the husband who says he loves his wife, but never takes her out on a date. Love is sometimes what you say. Love is sometimes what you feel, but it's always what you do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God demonstrated his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
we know the Father loves us. We know Jesus loves us because they did things. What James is saying is this. Lip service is easy. Lifestyle is hard. You don't really have faith. You don't really have love unless it comes out of you and others are blessed by it. So the big idea is what is coming out of you is an indication of what's in you and who ultimately you belong to. Next passage. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. James comes back at that. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll just show you my faith by my deeds. He says, you believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Have you ever met someone who says they believe in God, but you don't see any changed life? You don't see repentance of sin, humility, love of God. They don't pray. They don't sing. They don't read the Bible. Here's what James is saying. It's not enough to believe in God or even believe that there is a God. Even the demons believe that. He says, you know what? The demons know who Jesus is. It's just that they don't have the love and they don't submit to Jesus as Lord. So it's about knowing who Jesus is and living under his lordship. Some people even say, well, you know what? I, I, I read Jesus. I think, yeah, he's, he's a good teacher. He's a good leader. You know what? Jesus didn't give us that option about himself. That means that the most important decision you will ever make is whether you will believe that Jesus is God and receive him as your Savior. Make sure that you know that Jesus is God and your Savior by giving him your sin and your life and surrendering all that you have to his lordship over your life and seek to live in obedience to him. James is talking about faith and works. And what he says is that the true Christian doesn't just have one or the other. The true believer has both faith and works. James continues. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? People who think that they can have faith without works or that works alone without faith, he says, you know what, that's just foolishness. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? That's from Genesis 22. You see that his His faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging? That's in Joshua. And then he, to the spies, sent them in a different direction, sorry. And then it closes with this. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So here's yet another definition of faith. Faith is the Holy Spirit-empowered internal devotion to God that produces an external 
devotion to God. Faith is internal. That manifests itself externally. It would be faith in here, given as a gift from God, from the power of the Holy Spirit that produces works out there. So God in here works through me. It's all about God. So what are some godly works? What are we talking about? It's the decisions that I make, the dollars that I'm spending, the words that I'm speaking, the places where I'm going, all to the glory of God. So I don't live like I used to live because my Savior has saved me from that. And now my Lord is telling me the new way to live in obedience to Jesus and to worship him alone. Now let me be clear. Right now, you are not perfect. I mean, from my vantage point, I can tell. (laughs) I know your vantage point too. But my question would be, are you making progress? Do you hate sin? Do you love Jesus? Do you want to learn the scriptures? Do you want to meet with God's people? Do you want to be generous towards others? Are you learning how to give unto the Lord with a joyful heart? Not that you're perfect. But my question would be, since you've met Jesus... What is the visible progress? The question could be asked another way. If you never met Jesus, what in your life would be different? It horrifies me. It traumatizes me to think what my life would be like without Jesus. What my marriage would be like to Lori would even still be together. What kind of a dad would I have been? What would I be doing? Certainly wouldn't be a pastor. How much of the Bible would I open up and read? Little, if any. If Jesus weren't in my life, everything would be different and nothing would be better. And so we're talking about progress, not perfection? How have you seen God at work in you to change you? And then James gives us two examples. One is Abraham from Genesis 22. Abraham is a pagan guy. He wasn't a believer when God got to him. Abraham was a pagan guy that God shows up and saves, gives him the gift of faith. And God saves him and says, okay, you are elderly. And you have an elderly, barren wife, no kids. You're going to have a kid. And you're going to become the father of a nation. And you're going to leave your parents' house. And through you, your son Through your son is going to come Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the nations of the world. Abraham, through your family, the whole world is going to be blessed. So in faith, Abraham moves. He leaves his parents' house. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what they're going to do for work. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But this act is an act of faith. Eventually... It wasn't immediately. 
25 years later, God finally gave Abraham the son Isaac. And when Isaac is a teenager, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to take your son, your only son, your son of the promise, your son born of the miracle. Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Because it's a foreshadowing. And I want you to take him and sacrifice him. God is telling him to do something, but it is something that is horrifying. All of this foreshadowing, the coming of Jesus, who would lay down his life as the son of God in our place for our sins. And what Isaac had to do was carry the wood of his own sacrifice. That sounds like Jesus. Then they get to the place and they lay down the wood for the sacrifice and Isaac is laid down on the sacrifice and Abraham is holding the knife getting ready to obey God the New Testament book of Hebrews 11 says that Abraham had so much faith he believed that even if his son died God could raise him that's faith so what happens is just as Abraham is about to carry out the sacrifice of his son, Isaac, his beloved firstborn, the angel of the Lord shows up and stops him. And the Lord provides a ram to be sacrificed instead. All of this foreshadowing what the heavenly father would do in sending his son, that son who would miraculously be born of a promise that would carry his own wood, that he would lay down his life as a sacrifice for sin, open us up to salvation. And what he says of Abraham is that faith is something that demonstrates its works. He trusted in the Lord, and you could see it. In the same way, if a husband loves his wife, you see it. If a mom loves her kids, you can see it. If someone knows and trusts and loves God, you can see it. The second example that James gives is Rahab from the book of Joshua. So there's this group of people, the Canaanites in the Old Testament, and they're about as bad as it gets. They are a demonic people with a demonic religion. They murder their own children. They sacrifice them to these demon gods. It's as bad as it can be. So Joshua is going to a town in that region called Jericho, and he's on a reconnaissance mission. He and 11 others have been sent to spy out this land of the promise And come back and report what you see. Well, they secretly enter the city of Jericho. And there's a woman, Rahab, who intersects the story. So the Canaanites are the worst of people. And Rahab is a Canaanite prostitute. So it doesn't get any better. She is the least regarded, the least respected, the least honored. But she gets saved. Because when you're saved by grace and not by works, this is the good news. You are saved by grace 
not by works. See, it doesn't matter how bad you are. It matters how good he is. It doesn't matter how far you think you've run. It matters that he can track you down. You're saved by grace, not by works. You don't need to be good in order for God to be in a relationship with you. Hear me on this. You don't need to be good. You just need God. Religion says, be good. We say, you can't be that good. You need God. Rahab meets God. She gets saved. She becomes a believer. And so what she does is she spares and protects the lives of God's servants and soldiers. And as a result, their lives are spared in God's plan to conquer their enemies. Her actions of saving lives and preserving servants of God was a tremendous act of faith. She is also mentioned in the New Testament book of Hebrews. One of only two women named in Hebrews chapter 11 as being a great woman in the history of the world. And if you read Matthew 1, which is the genealogy of Jesus, Rahab is in Jesus' family line. The point is this. If God's work for you does his work in you and does its work through you, God can change your life and others' lives. God can save a soul. God can alter a destiny, an eternal destiny. And God can absolutely re-hardwire the story of your life. If you're here and you're like, man, I, but I have done some bad things. Well, the good thing is, Jesus did everything to deal with your bad things. And he's going to do the work in you that begins the process of change. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.